what a touch it was. Being touched by him, it's, it's not just uh, everybody gets feelings. You, you get touched one time, really touched. It'll change your whole life. It'll That's change right. your world. It'll, it'll change what you, how you look at people. I was listening to Brother, Brother Louis talking about an atmosphere, creating an atmosphere. I, I don't think I've ever walked out here in, in this assembly and never walked up here when there wasn't a, a great atmosphere. Um, if you've ever had to stand here and understand, I mean, my knees are knocking now. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the, the, the thing of standing up in front of people and talking. I do that in the classroom. But it's the burden of carrying the word. You don't want to be a stumbling block. And you don't want to get in the way of the Holy Spirit. But my wife, ever so often, she'll send us the quote of the day. While I sit back there, this popped up on my phone. Satan can settle the score when he finds out you've gone on without Jesus. That's when Satan will get the church. When you get so interested in something else besides prayer meetings. When you get so interested that you're supposed to have a natural growth instead of a spiritual growth, then remember Satan's on his road. He's caught up. He's caught you without him. Brother Bram says, oh, God is my prayer. Wake up the church again is my prayer. Wake up the church again to old-fashioned all-night prayer meeting. Wake the people to a spiritual atmosphere. It takes that to bring the children into the kingdom. It takes the atmosphere. You can create, you can sit in here and create your own atmosphere. You can create one or you can allow him to create one. If you created one that you don't want to lift your hands, you don't want to clap, you don't want to say amen, you don't want to praise the Lord, you've created an atmosphere. And it will affect those around you that want to. So if we can put everything aside... This is the only minute that matters in your life. It's not what I have to say. It's got nothing to do with what I got to say. I, I never have ever stood up here one single time and had an agenda of my own. Never. If I ever do that, I'm done. I'm finished. But if we can just look at it, God, this is your time. My thoughts don't matter. Anything I can think, anything I can do, it doesn't matter. It's what God can do through you and do through me tonight. So if we can create an atmosphere that he feels welcome in. That's my prayer to y'all um, tonight is that you create an atmosphere that could pull. I had a really short notice. Shortest ever. But after tonight, me and Brother Daryl's going to be best of friends whether he likes it or not. So I might get some stuff. So if you will, turn in your Bibles tonight, if you will. Be speaking at a couple different places. Genesis 45, verses 7 through 11. Brother Donnie had texted me when I was leaving. I'm sure they mentioned it, but he asked me to, y'all remember Sister Erica. Brother Donnie had to take her because Brother Lance was in such a way that he couldn't go, so we need to remember um, Brother Lance. But Sister Erica's doing her treatment in the morning at Vanderbilt. I lift her up, and then Sister Cheryl Ward, I'm, too, I'm sure she could... Use our prayers tonight too, so don't forget to uh, mention them in your prayers. And God sent me before you to preserve you of posterity in the earth, to save your lives by great deliverance. And now it was not that you, you that sent me hither, but God. 
Joseph's telling his brethren, it's God that sent me. He hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord to all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me the lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me and tarry not. And thou that dwell in the land of Goshen, that they shall be near unto me, thou and thy children, thy children's children, thy flocks, thy herds, and all that thou hast. And I will nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all thou hast come to poverty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another time, Lord, that we can assemble together under your word. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, I've got nothing. All I can ask of you, Lord, is to make me uh, my desire to, to be a yielded vessel, to get out of the way, to, to put aside any humanity, Father. Lord, I'm sure that's the same thing they ask of you, put anything aside that would hinder them from receiving what you would have for them tonight, Lord. Lord, we lift up prayers for Sister Erica. Lord, we know the situation she's going through, Lord. May your hand be on her tomorrow as she goes through her treatment, Lord. We believe for her healing. We believe it's a finished work, Lord. You've never started out of work that you didn't finish. And we're resting on that, believing on that. Lord, we touch Brother Lance, Lord, and help his, his headache, Father, give him healing and comfort in his body. Lord, I pray that you touch Sister Cheryl Ward. Lord, thank you for Lord, sparing her for any more serious injury today, Lord. Bless your people. Bless their needs. Everything they have need of, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. If you give me just a few minutes, I'd like to talk on tonight, Living in Goshen. We've heard Brother Brandon refer to this a time or two, but looking at Goshen, we, we know the, the background story how Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers and he's taken into to Egypt and becomes um, Potiphar's servant there. And then he gets thrown in prison and all these years that he's in, in there. And then famine comes to the land and we know the famine is two years in and the brothers are coming to Egypt to get, to get food to take back. And then we, this is the point where in Genesis, right after Joseph reveals himself and says, I'm your brother. Go get my father and bring him here into Goshen. <clears throat> and we'll look at it in a spiritual aspect too, but <clears throat> Joseph gives his family an invitation to come to Goshen. And we look at Goshen and we, we, we'll look in here a little bit more. You know, and the, Egypt was the greatest land, the greatest country in the land, the richest. They had everything. But there's a little place that was set aside that was called Goshen because we, we read in the scriptures how all the things that God, the plagues that God was getting ready to put on Egypt because God was calling the people out. But we look at Joseph's family. We look at Jacob and, and all his brothers. They were poor. They were at this point in poverty. And Jacob was in poor health. No doubt they were near starvation. They had to travel such a far way to get food and then had to travel such a far way when they got back. But I like what Joseph tells him. He says, come to Goshen and there I will nourish thee. That's where I will nourish you. Come to the word and I will nourish you. Come as you are. We look at people that says, I can't, I can't come to church. I can't. I don't, I don't believe, you know, I've done too many bad things. Joseph told him to come as you are. They were already in poverty. He didn't say, get your wealth up and then come. Come sick. Come with your burdens. Come with all that you have. Come to the word. That's what he's telling them. 
And so Joseph tells him, says, I will nourish thee. Joseph had that power. Pharaoh had given him power of all of Egypt. Nobody was eating without Joseph. Nobody was getting grain without Joseph saying they could have it. You'll not get not one thing from this word but an intellectual understanding unless God gives it to you. Unless God reveals it to you. All you will have is this intellectual, intellectual understanding, knowledge in your brain. And it will not move you anywhere. You might, you might make people think you're smart. That you can quote the Bible. That you can quote scriptures. That you can quote Brother Branham. That's head knowledge. But that's not the grain of Egypt. It's just knowing that it's there. You know it's there. But you haven't ate any of it. That's what Joseph was telling them. They knew it was there because they was traveling to get it. They would come to church once in a while. They would come once in a while and Joseph would give them a little bit. They would leave. And they would get sickly. They would still get poor. And Joseph said, come to Goshen. Exodus 81. Um, I'm sorry, there's not 81 chapters in Exodus. They've been in Egypt a long time. <clears throat> Egypt, uh, Exodus 8, 21 through 23. Else if thou will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies Upon thee, upon thy servants, upon thy people, and into thy house. And the houses of Egypt shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. Now we're, we're kind of jumping, I give you a background, we're jumping ahead of the people in Goshen at this point. And, and they are in the word. You're in the word. God has kept plagues off you. Darkness is all around you. Egypt is total darkness. There's plagues all around you every day. And there's light in Goshen. The plagues were held off of Goshen for a little while. Don't think just because you're in this word and Goshen typing this word that you're not going to go through trials and tribulations. You know, and I, I believe and I, and, I, and I say it all the time and I, and I hope it never becomes a cliche to me that there's light in Goshen. When you look around and people say, this is happening here, this is happening here, possible war is going to happen, and you know, the politics is so corrupt. And you look at that, and I, in my heart I say, there's light in Goshen. There's, there's light, and we'll look at how Brother Branham, when he did the seven church ages, and he drew that sliver of light, but don't let, don't let me get too far ahead. He said, and I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarm of flies shall be there. To the end, thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. This is Moses telling Pharaoh, God's going to put division between his people and your people. He's put one up in this day. God's put a division. People know who you are. God drew a line and said, these are my people. Every, you don't think every, all the Egyptians knew who these people were. They knew who they were. They knew they were God's people. You don't think they didn't know the, the stories that they would tell that one day a deliverer's coming? There arose a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph. He didn't know Joseph. But he knew there was something about these people. That's why he kept him bondage. Satan knows there's something about you. Why do you think he tries to keep you in bondage all the time? 
what puts weight on you all the time, burdens on you all the time, because there's something about you. God has divided you. God has put you in a place that is the elite of the elite. When the rapture takes place, you're not going to be the ones on the outside of the city waiting for somebody inside the city to say you can have rain on your crops. God says this is the best of the best, and I saved him for last. Saved him for last. <clears throat> but God was going to send them a prophet. As we read in Exodus, unless lest you come to poverty. Why do you think you needed this word? Don't matter how much money you have, what possessions you have, what degrees you have, without this grain of Egypt, which at this time, this is the only thing that would sustain them. Joseph said, you come and I will feed you. I will pull you out of poverty. Without that, you're the poorest man on the face of the earth. With it, you're the richest. It's just that simple. But he said, I will nourish you lest you fall into poverty. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand towards heaven. There may be darkness across the land of Egypt, even darkness that which may be felt. Moses stretched forth his hands toward heaven and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose anyone from his place for three days, but all of the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Amen. The plagues were kept off Goshen for a season. You know, you, 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 we come up here, we give a heart, we see people give heart to the Lord. They get up here on their knees, brothers come up and pray for them. They want to get saved, they want to get the Holy Ghost. They get baptized. They come out of the water. We've all been there. And it just seems like you're walking on clouds. You, you, you can't believe that coming to God was going to be this great and this easy. You've all been there. If you've received the Holy Ghost, if you've went through that, you've been there. Because God's not going to give you meat the day you get the Holy Ghost. So for a season, God's keeping his people. He's keeping. But what I want you to look at is a plague is coming to Goshen. Amen. Yeah, right. A plague's coming. Now we look, we look at, Brother Bram said question answers on Genesis. <clears throat> now look back at the Old Testament when you see the plagues falling. They were in Egypt. God was bringing his people out to the promised land. Israel never received one plague. Just as the plagues, before they went, they went into Goshen. Is that right? The sun never dimmed out. No mosquitoes come. No frogs was there. No lice was there. No storms was there. No lightning. No killing on the cattle was there. And everything they had was preserved in Goshen. Is that right? It's a type of the church going just before the tribulation period. When these things begin to come to pass, lift up your head, your redemption draweth nigh. How many can say we see that in this day? Amen. Darkness is everywhere. You go to work in Egypt. You go to school in Egypt. You shop in Egypt. You have to live your life in Egypt. But everywhere you walk, 
you take that little sliver of light that Brother Branham drew in the layout of Scene Church Age, you take that with you everywhere you go. So you can say there's still light in Goshen. So when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, what happened to Goshen? The land stayed there. What made Goshen what it was went with them. It went with them. It didn't stay. God didn't say, see y'all, hope y'all make it to Canaan. Hope you make it to the Jordan River. What made Goshen what it was? This land of nourishment. The pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire that, that rested over top of Goshen went with them when they left. When you go to work every morning, you go everywhere you go, you wander through the dark, darkest places in the land. You have to work with some of the filthiest people, sinful people in the land. You're going to be the only part of Goshen they see. And they'll probably never even hear the word Goshen. What does the word Goshen mean? It means to draw near. This was Joseph said, I'll draw you near to me. This is where I'm placing you. When God pulled you into Goshen here, it wasn't, it wasn't that you wandered around till you found it. They didn't find Goshen. His family didn't find Goshen. Joseph went to them and said, I'm bringing you here. You didn't wander in off the streets in here. God had to come find you and say, I want to bring you to this place that I've blessed and nourished. It's the only place that you can, you can eat and get nourished. It's the only place where you can receive the word, where you can receive blessings. And you won't get it without me. Why did Pharaoh give it to him? Why did Pharaoh say, yes, you can have it. It's yours. Because it was Joseph's brethren. Why did he give it to you? Why did he give it to me? Because you was Christ's brother. He was your brother. You were his sister. Anything he wanted for his family, God said, give it to him. Give it to him. Because you're his family. Had nothing to do with, with just because they were somebody out in the world when he was Canaan. Jacob was probably one of the richest men in Canaan. Probably the richest man. To Pharaoh, he was nobody. If Joseph wasn't there, Jacob was nothing. Nobody. Without Christ, you're nobody. You think you're something because you might have a name in this message somewhere. Without him, you are nothing. You're a piece of dust. But with him, you are everything. Everything. You ever wonder why we see the world falling to pieces around us anymore? It's falling to pieces. People are insane. I'm, I would like to invite every single one in here. If you get time, go to your local police department, go to your local sheriff's department, and ride around with them for two weeks. I gave them 23 years. Had all I could take. And you hope along the way that you're a light to somebody, that you can show Goshen to somebody. 
If you want to see what this world is like, spend two weeks riding around with your local law enforcement and then spend one week watching Fox News, spend one week watching CNN News, another week watching CBS because they're all different. They all got their own agenda, their own thing that they push. Listen to your local politicians. They're all corrupt. They're corrupt. Listen, I know. I've dealt with some local politicians. Some of the guys that that work in in government in the city, they could tell you. It's going to hell. It's going to hell. And you're living the best time of your life. The world's falling to pieces. And this moment right here is the best time you've ever had in your life. Jacob never knew he had it so good till he got to Goshen. Children of Israel never knew they had it so good till they got to Goshen. But then stuff happened. There arose a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph. He didn't know Joseph. And then things, trials, tests, tribulations begin to come upon them. I wonder how often right before they were able to, to leave, how often they would go home and cry out to God, bring us back the times when Joseph was here. Bring back the Goshen of Joseph. We get that stuck sometimes. When David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, we get stuck like that. The children of Israel, they remember the times of Joseph because people would tell them the stories how good it was when Joseph. And no doubt these people right here have been praying for 400 and something years for a deliverer. And I wonder how many times their mind would go back and say, I wonder what it was like. I wonder what it was like to be here when Joseph was here. To eat of the grain of Egypt. To not get our back beat. We've been there. We've all been there. We get stuck in a rut. It's humanity. God understands we get stuck in a rut sometimes. We wonder, where was the God that I had five years ago when I felt like I was on fire for God? When he meant everything to me, God didn't leave. God didn't leave. Your life got in the way. Your life. The things that you love got in the way. Your interests, instead of trying to create atmosphere, you can start your atmosphere out every single morning when you get up. But sometimes our self-interests get in the way. And we get to thinking about those times that we take grain in Egypt. We think, where's Brother Branham? Where's Brother Branham? Where are all them, them, them brothers that brought the word back in the 80s and 90s? Yeah. Those days were great. He is still here. Yeah. He didn't leave. Yeah. The grain's still here. Sure, you got tests and trials and tribulations in your life. You got things in your life that drag you down. But you're still in Goshen. And he promised to deliver where was God going to bring them out of? Goshen. That's where he put them. He's going to bring them out. Do you realize Goshen was not a little 
town, a little country outside of Egypt. Goshen is right in the middle of Egypt. It's in Egypt. You don't travel from country to country. You're in Egypt, in case nobody told you. You're in Egypt, Goshen. You are walking, living, breathing the S-O-N light of Goshen that goes and sees people every day. That witness, your life, as we talk Sunday, witnesses to people every day. Why? There's a light that God left on in Goshen. When Brother Branham came in and put up the, church, the seven church ages, how many remembers why Brother Branham wrote that? When Brother Branham drew that, he said, God put it in the heavens first, right? He put it in the heavens. He said, in the layout of saying church, church age, God put it in the heavens, total darkness. Total darkness on that seventh phase. God allowed Brother Branham to draw that little sliver of light. God allowed the prophet of this age to draw you in that little dark area. That's what it was. When he cleared off a little bitty space of darkness, that was you. That was me. That, that's God. That's God's grace. If God left it total darkness, there would have been no hope. There would have been no hope. It would be total darkness. I mean, you wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to see this word, this message. If you don't understand that, go listen. The man can turn on the light. There's a man here that can turn on the light. Seventh-day messenger turned on the light in Laodicea. It was total darkness. I'm going too slow. I'm way behind. Recognizing your day and message and its message. Brother Branham said, before the seven seals that hid all the mysteries, me not knowing what I was drawing on the board for the church, church ages, said, God knows. Just by vision, I drawed it. Not knowing that God a year and six months later was going to vindicate it in the skies by the moon and slip it across the national papers. I didn't know that. I didn't know there would be a mysterious blackout in the moon to represent this Laodicean church age. Now on the papers, you only get the six ages. It's because the Laodicean church age was blacked completely out. But if you would notice the spiritual application as God said it in the heavens, when I said it here on earth, he said, I said, God allowed him. They didn't make him God. They didn't make him God. But he said, I set it up here on earth. God set it in the heavens. I left a little bitty space, as you see, just a tiny little bit of light. That was just before the very elected was to be called from the earth. We're in that little sliver of light right now. Right before the elect is to be called from the earth. That was his purpose of drawing, and we are in there now. If we weren't, you, there's no way that you would be here. You wouldn't. If there was no light, we wouldn't be here. I'm so glad God allowed that. But when God put it in the heavens, it was totally blacked out. Means maybe that the last one is called from that Laodicean church, that Laodicean age. He says, there could be a sermon on it. He preached a few, didn't he? So we, we look in the 
That's the age we're in, total darkness, other than one little light. <clears throat> so looking at Goshen, God has allowed all these trials, these tribulations, these plagues to avoid Goshen. Dumping it and dumping it on Egypt, everywhere but Goshen. But tribulations coming to Goshen. There's a plague coming to Goshen. We've seen it in this age. We've seen it in this age. <clears throat> Brother Bram said, it knoweth it not. He said, there will be hideous sights upon the earth. Locusts with hair like women. Long hair to taunt them women that cut their hair. Teeth like lions. Stingers in their tail like scorpions. They would torment men for months. Just wait till we get into opening them plagues and seals and them seven thunders. Watch what takes place. Oh, brother, you better get to Goshen while there's time to get to Goshen. Don't pay any attention to outside. Amen. You know, we say don't pay attention to outside. You know, don't, don't, we can't help but see the things that's around us. We hear the news. We read, if you read the paper, the media, you see it all. And I don't think Brother Brandon was just talking about that. And I might be wrong. This is just my opinion. This is not a doctrine. I'm not saying. Don't pay attention to the things that Satan puts in your life as an individual. That's the stuff that's outside the Holy Ghost. Don't pay attention to that. The Holy Ghost has you sealed. Satan's job, we, we've said it a million times, Satan's job is to put that on you. His job is to go before God day and night and, and accuse you, right? That's his job. So he's going to do that. But Brother Brown says, don't pay attention to this on the outside. Focus on that Holy Ghost. Focus on Goshen. <clears throat> I, I, I apologize for to reading too, so many quotes here. I didn't know, I really didn't know I had this many. That's what you get for rushing. Now to reject the truth when it's presented, that's the seal of the Christ. When your ears are sealed, you'll turn away from God. Very religious. The scripture says, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, truce breakers, high, uh, false accusers, incontinent, despisers of those that are good, having a form of godliness, all forms, very fundamental, the forms of godliness. Brother Branham said at one point, spiritual uh, when you get a, a religious spirit on you, that's the worst spirit that you can get. Worse than any other kind of, worse than a spirit of lust, worse than any other kind of spirit you can get, a, spirit, a religious spirit that makes you think you know this word frontwards and backwards. You know who's wrong, you know who's right. You're always focusing on who's living their life wrong, what their kids are doing. You, their kids shouldn't be doing this. I can show you in the word where Brother Branham said, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. You're focusing outside. Focus on the inside. That's, that's where your redemption lies. That's where you'll take a rapture from. That's the only thing you're taking with you. So you, why, We don't need to pay attention to all this other, other stuff here. <clears throat> all the forms, very fundamental, the forms of godliness, but deny the power thereof. From such, turn away. Don't look at it. Ignore it. For this is the sort that go from house to house, 
lead silly women laden with divers lusts, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's right. Brother Bram said, that's where my faith is anchored. What the Bible said, it's in God's word, not in tradition of men, but in God's word. That's where I put my stand 23 years ago. <clears throat> so Joseph, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead. I, I'm, I'm going to be too late here and y'all got to go to bed. So we know death is coming. Death is coming to Goshen. So he, this is a new Something new for the children of Israel. And God tells Moses, you need to tell them. After all these plagues, the same death that's coming to Egypt is coming to Goshen. What does he tell them to do? You need to apply the token. He tells them what to do to apply the token. We'll look at it in a second. But Goshen was not exempt from all the plagues. Death was coming. Death came to many in this message. They died spiritually because they didn't do what God told them to do. What did God tell them to do? To apply the token. They didn't apply the token. They had an intellectual understanding of the word and then when it, they seemed that they were th there were things in Egypt that they were missing out on. They went back and they died. Spiritually dead. <clears throat> and it was freely given. You didn't have to work for the token. You didn't have to work it up. It's freely given. God said it's yours. Well, Abraham said, the Israel slain lamb was the requirement of Jehovah. The blood was a token that the job had been done that God required for redemption from Egypt to get, go to the promised land. He required a slain animal. And that animal must have the blood of the dead animal must be put upon the lintel and on the door. That stood for the token. The thing that Jehovah had required had been fulfilled. The lamb, not the lamb was the token. The lamb wasn't the token. If that lamb had stayed alive, and listen, if the lamb was the token, all you had to do is Put it in your house and hold it in there. That's all you had to do if the lamb was the token. Well, it wasn't the lamb. It was the life, the blood, the life source that God required. <clears throat> that stood for the token. The thing that jo Jehovah had required had been fulfilled. The, not the lamb was the token. The blood was the token. The life had gone out from the sacrifice and now the blood was the token. His orders had been carried out. The blood stood for the token, the sign that this believer had done exactly what the requirement was. That was the token. All right, seeing the believer worship was then identified with the sacrifice. You realize this couldn't just be any animal. God didn't tell them, tell Moses to tell them, I need some animal blood. Tell them to, to go find an animal, to kill that animal and Put the blood on the doorpost. God has specific instructions. It has to be a lamb. It has to be a lamb. God required a lamb. And we know what the type is with that. You know, looking at that, you know, they had, they had been doing sacrifices their whole 
their life. That was their, their life was sacrifice. Every day, every year, whatever, they would have to do sacrifices. This was something new. This was something different. This was doing a sacrifice before, a burnt offering, and now they're actually taking the blood and applying it to their house. They were taking the blood and applying it to their house. You know, look, you look at it. I wonder if a father at some time, you know, he takes this lamb, and this lamb has become the, the family pet. This is his son's favorite lamb. There's not a blemish on it. This lamb has a name. They've given it a name. He sleeps with them. Everywhere the son goes, he follows him. And he has, the father has to tell him, I have to kill this lamb. You're going to have to explain. He's going to have to explain to him why. Because if I don't kill this lamb, you will die. You will die. That's why Christ had to die for you. If, Christ, if God didn't take his firstborn lamb, that was without blemish. You think Christ could have just stayed alive and said, okay, I, I forgive the whole world from today forever. I forgive them. No life was given. God required blood. He required blood. That's what we were talking about the other day when, when, when Satan takes that book of your sins before God because we're told he's an accuser of the brethren day and night. He comes up to God. He's saying, look what they did. Look what he did right here. He's telling God, you did this. You fell short here. You got something on the internet that you weren't supposed to be looking at. Look what he done it. He said something to somebody he shouldn't have said. He offended another brother. He offended another sister. They're talking about the pastor. They're doing this. They're doing that. You know, when I was studying that, I got to thinking, you know how frustrating it is sometimes when you see something somebody else don't? You're saying, look. My father-in-law, Jack, he can see a deer 14,000 miles away. He can. He's got the best eyes I've ever seen. He'll say, if there's one up there and you're looking, you can't see nothing. And you're trying to tell people, hey, look, look at that. Look at that deer up here on that hill. And you're, look, I can't see it. And you get frustrated because they can't see it. How frustrated does Satan get when God can't see what he's showing him? Look, it's his plain God. You see it. They done it. God says they never done it. I don't see nothing. I love it when Satan gets frustrated. I love it. God loves it when Satan's frustrated. God just laughs at him. You showed me the same thing yesterday. You showed it to me last year. There's going to come a time when he ain't going to be able to show him anything. Because it won't be long. Satan won't be able to see it. But his job is for you to get focused on it. How can you see something that God can't see? He's seen from one eternity to the next. There's nothing he hasn't seen. There's nothing God hasn't seen. But he can't see your faults. So why do we keep bringing them up? Why are you helping Satan with his job? You're basically telling him, hey, Satan, go show this to God. This is what I did. 
That's what you're doing. You're helping him. When you bring it up, you talk about it. You're telling him, go look what I did. Shame on us. You're reading Satan's book about yourself. You're reading it about yourself. And when God flips through it, it's all blank. Why? Because a lamb died. And when that lamb died, he spilt his blood on every page. How in the world are you reading it? How can you read it? How many times does God have to tell us every day? I don't see anything you did. Why do you bring this up before me? Because I don't know nothing about it. He sees the blood and here's this death angel getting ready to come to every single house of every single believer. He's coming to your house. Death angel is coming to your house and I don't mean natural death. You better have the lamb's blood on your house. Amen. You better have the blood. You'll die spiritually. You could come every single day to church. If we had church seven days a week, 24-7, you can have that message in your little ear pod with your iPod and you can listen to it all day. And finally, won't be long, you can quote it without listening to it. So you start reciting it to yourself. Without the blood, you are going to die with a lot of head knowledge. You are going to die. You are starving yourself to death of an, with an empty silo. You're starving yourself. If you do not have the blood of the lamb applied on your house, you're starving. It's that plain and simple. How do you know? You say, oh, Brother Joe, I don't know the blood's applied. What's your desires? What's the greatest desire of your life? Ask yourself that. What do I desire more than anything? I know what mine is, to please God more than anything. When, as soon as I wake up, I want to please God. When I go through my day, I want to please God. I, I don't know what else to tell you other than that. I want to please God. If you're pleasing God, you're doing everything right. If you're not pleasing God, you might not have the token. You might not have the token. Because with the token, all God can see is everything's pleasing to him in your life. Because he has to look through the blood. Every time I, I, think, every time I think of the blood, Brother Larry, I, I think about when Brother Brandon was at that diner, God took him behind the door. He says, that's the sins of the world. That must have been a lot of stuff that was hitting Jesus in the face. To Brother Branham think, that's the sins of the world. But what did he say? That's just yours. That's just yours. If that was the prophet, how much is mine hitting him in the face? How much is yours hitting him in the face? What's hitting him in the face? What is hitting him in the face? Every day you get out of bed. You were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, came to the world speaking lies. This human flesh makes mistakes every single day. There's nothing you can do about it but pray, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. It's like I told Brother Jimmy Whitson a long time ago. I said, Brother Jimmy, this human flesh, one millisecond 
one little millisecond before you go into rapture. You might make a mistake. Really? Anybody disagree? That's quiet. You're not taking this flesh with you. One millisecond before the rapture takes place, that's one millisecond you're still a human. That's one millisecond you still need the blood. That's one millisecond you better have the token. Because if you lose the token one millisecond before the rapture, you ain't going. Keep it checked up. Lord, keep that token checked up in my life. Only way anyone could tell that house belonged to under the blood because the chemistry was on the doors. Who does that house belong to? Child of God. How? The chemistry of the blood. Simple as that. That's how we know what house, the house that God dwells in. How do we know that God dwells in your house? The chemistry of the blood in your life. The token. God will not dwell in a house without the token. He won't, he won't do it. They passed through the death angel, had to look and see the blood. Now again, it was a type of the Holy Spirit. The literal blood of Jesus could not come upon each one of us because he had only so much blood in his body. And it dripped off out his body and to the ground 2,000 years ago. But it wasn't to be for a token. Jesus' literal blood was not the token. What was it, the token? The life. Amen. The life. Them little licks of fire that came upon them at 120 in the upper room. The life. He's still sending that life down tonight. He's still sending it. It's the same life that fell upon them, that 120 in the upper room. He's still sending it. It's the same one that you received the Holy Ghost driving down the road by yourself one night. You didn't know where it came from. You've been praying for it for years. You might have been sitting at home by yourself. You might have been sitting in church. You might have been at work. But something came over you like nothing you ever felt before. It was God depositing that life down inside of you. You've been baptized. You've been sitting under the word your whole life. But something changed you. There's some of you probably can't tell me when you got the Holy Ghost. I can remember the day I did in Happy Valley Church. That's why that place will always have a place in my heart. I think I was sitting behind Brother Louie and Daniel Ball. Did something come over me? I still ain't acting like that again. Shame on me. But I can tell you when. Can't tell you the message that was preached. Can't tell you the songs that were sung. But I can tell you that feeling. And when I get to think about it, sometimes I feel it all over again, Brother Harry. I can still feel it. It's a life. It was because the token was applied. A lamb had to die. Something had to die that you could have life. It dripped off out of his body into the ground 2,000 years ago. It wasn't to be the token. The life was in the blood. That's the token. I'll prove it to you in a minute. <clears throat> it is the token that's come upon each of us to show we've been identified. Our sacrifice have carried out Jehovah's request. There's some that claim in this last stage that they had the token. 
The thing that they claimed to have the token, they threw it right back in God's face. They threw it back. They denounced the messenger of this age. Some of them stayed in pulpits preaching garbage with no life. It's a dead message. If you ain't got the token, it's a dead message. They don't live it that way. They, they, they feel like it's okay to live however you want to, that God don't, don't, don't look at what you, what you wear, what you look like. I had a great friend of mine many years ago just to show what kind of understanding that some people have. He said, let me ask you a question. I said, what's that? He said, how could God know how long my hair is if he's way up there and I'm way down here? I felt sad. I felt sad. That is sad. The people that was raised in this message, and he was. His dad was a pastor. Still is. Wonderful, godly man. And that's what he said. How can God see how long my hair is? If he's way up there, how can he see this far down? If that's our general conception of what God is, then to us, he's nothing. God is a person. Turn and look beside you. You'll see God. Can you look at your own life right now? Don't, don't raise your hands or nothing, but can you look at your own life and say how I am every day when I get up, when I go to work, when I go do whatever I got to do through the day? Am I assured that, that this is the token? I am the, Brother Bram said, we are the token on display. Are you the token on display? Can people look at you and say, that's the token? I want to be like them. I want my life to be like their life. Like I say, you know, faults and failures. That token on the door, when they put the, lintel over the, the blood on the lintel on the doorpost, it did not give them eternal life. It saved them from the death angel. What happened to them same people 40, in 40 years? They died. Some of them, God killed them. Why? He put another image before them. The same God that saved them from the death angel. You can have the Holy Ghost on your flesh. You can have it on your flesh. But it won't always stay there if it ain't sealed right here. It's got to be sealed. If, if they, if they hit, you know, I've been reading. One thing I love about God and the children of Israel, I've been reading Jeremiah. I've been reading the Bible through again, and I just got through Jeremiah and Ezekiel. You read, when you read them, on the, and the prophets are prophesying to Israel. Those books are God using Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Nehemiah and these different ones prophesying to Israel, telling Israel, He's going to destroy them. You become an abomination. You become a stench in my nostrils. I'm going to destroy you before your enemies. And God's telling him this. And you read three verses down and he says, but you are my people. And I will have you unto myself and I will have with you a covenant. 
God didn't want to destroy him. He loved him. But God had to put things on him so many times. Look at the kings in the lineage of David. Through the lineage that brought Christ. The kings that did evil in the sight of the Lord and God would send a prophet to them and they would straighten up for a little ways. Why? Because God loved them. God loved them. That's why he lets you have the Holy Spirit permanently in here. You don't have to sacrifice every day. You don't have to go kill a lamb or a calf every day because he loved you so much. He said, I'm going to make this permanent. The token was temporary in Goshen. It was temporary. They weren't taking it with them. They weren't ripping them doorposts off and that little that had the blood on it and carrying it with them out of Egypt. They weren't doing it. But God said, you can. You can. It's a free gift. You know, it's, it's, it, if you're a child of God, listen, you don't have to work up the Holy Ghost. God, there was a young, young man, we, we did question and answers several years ago. I think we was at Brother Rob's house. And Brother, Brother Donnie had uh, some of us different ministers, me and Brother John, Brother West, and I think Brother Terry and Brother Lance do some, some question and answers to split it up. And I had the Holy Ghost. I think Brother Lance had the Godhead or something. And this, one of the questions was, you know, basically, how do I get the Holy Ghost? And there was a young man there, and that was his question. How do I get the Holy Ghost? And I asked him. I ain't going to say who he was. He probably knows who he is right now. He's a big boy. I said, you like cookies? He said, yeah. Didn't you, Zach? <laughs> I said, you like cookies? He said, yeah. What do you do if you want a cookie? What do you do, Brother Zach, if you want a cookie? You go get it. Where do you put the cookies at? They're in the pantry. You go open the door in the pantry and get a cookie. The Holy Ghost is that simple. God said it's there freely. When you got gifts under your tree at Christmas, if you have a tree, we'll leave that right there. You get, you're at a birthday party and the whole table's covered with your gifts. They're yours. All you have to do is open them. It's that simple. Guess what? They have your name on it. God put your name and the token together before the foundation of the world. He put your name on it. He said, here it is. Go get it. And we walk around it for years. We walk around it. I'll never get that. I'll never have it. Why do we say that? Why do we do that? Because we focus on this book that Satan's got everything written. We focus on that. And Satan keeps saying, you can't have it. You can't have it. The token wasn't for you. It wasn't for you. And you're reading that. And God says, if you could just look at it through my eyes, you will see nothing. Nothing but your name and the token have been married together. That's all it is. And we complicate it. We complicate it. And it's not. I urge you tonight, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, just reach over and get it. Just get it. There's got to be a desire. When I was, young, I was 19, 20 years old, I was with my uncle. We was in Illinois. He was pastoring in Illinois at the time. We drove, I rode to Kentucky and back with him. And I was struggling. 
I said, Uncle Larry, and this was the simplest I'd ever heard it. I said, I don't want to know if I have the Holy Ghost. He said, what's your desires? And at that time, I had more desires than being right here. I was all about myself. I was. What I read to you other, well, earlier, Brother Bram said, when you have interests that are more of the natural body instead of the spiritual body. And I had those, but I had to get rid of them first. They stood between me and my birthday gift. They stood between me and my Christmas gift. I had to find a way around them. I had to realize all I got to do is open it. They're sitting right there. And I'm letting a lie of the devil keep me from walking over there and getting it. When you think that you can't have the Holy Ghost because of the bad things in your life, you are listening to a lie of the devil. It's a lie. You're making his job easy. I'm, I'm going to go to it. Let's stand. I didn't know. Sorry about the time. <clears throat> if it was good enough just to be in Goshen, they'd have never had to leave. If it was good enough, God said, There's darkness in Egypt, there's light here. It's good enough. We don't have to leave. So where you are in your life right now and you think you're good enough and God says, I'm calling you out. I want to take you places. I'm taking you to a promised land and it might take 40 years. There's people in this message right now, been in this message 40 years, still don't have the Holy Ghost. Don't have the Holy Ghost. But God promised them a promised land. If they are seed, they will cross Jordan. They'll cross Jordan. They'll cross a dry Jordan. Right? Put the ark in, they put the word right down there in the water. They stopped the water and they crossed. Don't get caught up in being in Goshen. Don't be caught up and I'll go to Word of Life Church. Brother Donnie's my pastor. You can get caught up in that all you want. You know, I was, I was thinking, sitting back there after I, I preached, speaking to Brother Donnie, after I preached Sunday, I, I I just felt like, you know what, if I had defended anybody, I'd apologize. I don't apologize for what I said. But if I offended anybody, I, I, I sincerely apologize because I ne- would never do that. But I'll never compromise. This message, the, the ministry, the head ministry that we're on over this church has taught me one thing. One thing, there is zero tolerance for comp- compromise. That's what this, our pastor has stood for. He will not compromise no matter what. Amen. And, and if, I'm, if I'm to be a help under that ministry, I can't compromise. Right, right, yeah. I would never intend to hurt any feelings. I told Brother Terry one time, I said, Brother Terry, if God told me, this is from my heart, if God told me that's your last sermon, I don't need to use you anymore. I'd be the happiest man in the world. People that want to get up and do this, I have no idea why. No idea. Get sick of your stomach sitting back there. Get weak in the knees. You want to leave? 
I've come a time or two. I think Brother Dow will run me back in the, in the back door one day. I wasn't really leaving, but I stepped outside and he said, hey, get back in there. <laughs> but why would we compromise on something that God has given us? When he's put the token in our life and said, this is the way that you'll make the promised land. I haven't even gotten everything I was going to get, but I think I got enough. You know, I was thinking, I studied this and I wrote a little note here. I wonder what people passing, strangers that passed from Goshen, because we know where Pharaoh and him was in the, the city called Ramses. Egypt's the country. But they would go, I wonder what people thought when they passed through Goshen, especially in the, in the hard times when they were under bondage, when they were being beat. And travelers coming by, and they would pass through this town. These people, they see people that are scarred, that were beaten, that were weary, pushed down. But some reason they would they would hear him singing a song about a deliverer. They seemed happy. What's wrong with these people? You sisters that don't cut your hair, you wear you wear your long skirts. You don't wear makeup and you do all this stuff and people look at you and think you're under bondage. They don't realize you're the happiest person on the face of the earth. you got a song in your heart. You want to worship because God made you who he made you. That's what the token does. The token makes you happy in the middle of a tribulation. They could sing, we're almost home. Running my last mile home. We're almost there. They knew deliverer was coming. They knew he was coming. Now they didn't know they were going to be in the wilderness 40 years. God had a purpose. But Harry, can we sing that I'm almost home or can you sing it? (laughs) Let's just worship him a minute.
more to come when our flesh and our bones are no longer between who we are right now and where we're meant to be when all has been lost it's made whole again these tears and this pain no longer exist no more walking we're running as fast as we can consider this our second win we're almost home brother it won't be long soon all our burdens will be gone for with all your strength sisters run Oh, 
reading just before the service where Jesus was sharing the parable about the, I think it was a Pharisee and a publican, and one, the Pharisee had talked about how thankful he was that he didn't live like these terrible people, and he was so thankful that he fasted and he did all these things, and then the publican, it said, I can't remember exactly how it was worded, but the meaning was he couldn't even lift his head up towards heaven so ashamed of himself and said God forgive me a sinner you know and that's the way we want to come to the Lord but that, that's no good a year down the road two years down the road it's time and I think Brother Joe what he was talking about tonight it's time to quit going to that book and it's time to say thank you for your thank goodness you, Lord, Lord. I serve a good God Amen. don't you I thank him for his grace I accept his forgiveness and his grace let's sing about his goodness just a little bit before we go tonight I love you Lord For your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hand From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Sing that one more time. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never. Can we accept his mercy tonight? And all my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness. 
getting down pretty soon we'll be announcing services will be moving we're looking forward to that but let's just pray for the services here this weekend let's just sing this as we go lord prepare me lord prepare me to be a sanctuary